Headline Hollywood. Entertainment cronies and cinema elitists hand out awards for excellence in moving pictures. Sometimes the winners don't hold up to the test of time, so we're here in the future to tell them how they got it wrong. This is Switch the Envelope. Welcome to Switch the Envelope, the podcast that aims at rewriting Hollywood award history. My name is Corey. And my name is Jeff. This is part two of our discussion with, you know, cinema podcast legend <laughs> Adam Roach uh, regarding the 1940 Oscars, the 12th annual Oscars. Is that the one from 1939? Those or? are the films from 1939, Jeff. Films from 1939. I gotcha. In which we are about to go over through our scientifically proven metric, the category of best lead actor. Lead actor. Corey, who are those lead actors? Oh, well, the nominees are Robert Donnant for his role of Mr. Chips in Goodbye, Mr. Chips. Lawrence Olivier for his role of Heathcliff in Wuthering Heights. Mickey Rooney for Mickey Moran in Babes in Arms. James Stewart, Jimmy Stewart to you people that don't know him like I do, as Mr. Smith in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. And Clark Gable as Rhett Butler in Gone with the Wind. All right, those are the nominees. Let's get to it. So because Mr. Adam Roach is back with us, we're just going to jump right back into the interview. Switches, enjoy. Grab some popcorn. (laughs) Enjoy the show. No, it's it's awesome. I mean, we, we could pick your brain for hours, I'm sure, but we should probably get <laughs> to yeah, I, I actually could, so um, to, to the to the crux of it. And and if I mean, like your library there sounds like a dream. I would love to just thumb through books and and find all of the little notes that you've written and like your aha moments and stuff. Like that would be in, incredible to be able to sort of pour over those. Well, you um, have a standing invitation anytime oh, you like. Oh, I'm honored. <laughs> all right, so we're gonna get into our full game or switch the envelope game we just introduced the nominations for the episode and for the 1940 the 1940 academy awards now once again Corey, the 1940 academy awards represents movies that were released in 1939 that's that's accurate we get a lot okay. of a lot yes. of confused uh mentions on twitter and stuff it was like Wait, or and even even when when I was reaching out to you, you were like 1939, and I was like the year that yeah. this movie won, and you're like 1940. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. yeah, so let's. I'm just making sure everyone knows 19 <laughs> the, the 12th annual Academy Awards or the 1940 Academy Awards representing movies that happened in 1939. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking specifically of the lead actor category. Um, there was a, a bit of a controversy because of the publishing of the ballots and or the vote tallies and, and stuff that, um, you know, led to some controversy here. So we may be either solidifying history or we may be changing history. Uh, we've never actually given the award back to the original winner on this show. So we may have a first. I don't uh, see why, but let's well, go. We'll, we'll, we'll get into it. I, okay. I think, uh, <laughs> you know, let's start. 
right off the bat with uh, the gentleman who won the Academy Wait, Award. You want to start with the winner? We never start with the winner. All right, I won't start with the winner then. We let's, always start with the one who sucks the most, which in oh, this category, Lawrence Olivier. Who that would be. <laughs> so this is the every single guy on here. <laughs> a fantastic actor. Yeah. It, it is a stacked category. I mean, Lawrence Olivier, Jimmy Stewart, Mickey Rooney, Clark Gable, Robert Dunn, like powerhouse actors that were putting up. I mean, that would eventually put up, uh, you know, just career highs uh, in, in, you know, the film industry. Um, even even the female category of this year was stacked. You know, Garbo, Gable, Lara, uh, fuck, I'm sorry, Davis. Davis. Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, Gable, male. Vivian uh, Lee. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like these, <clears throat> these are our household type names uh, and... You know, I I look back at this particular when we were doing when I was doing the research for this particular Oscars, it's just like, oh my God, this was like a juggernaut of an actual Academy Award ceremony. Mm. Like tons yeah. of heavy hitters. Well, well, 39 is generally regarded, I think, isn't it, to be the, the greatest year in cinema history. And even if you take out the the best picture nominees, there's still that that year came oh my god you had the women you had the roaring 20s it, it was almost like the year when everything kind of changed for cinema mm -hmm. it was like it really did become a golden era right um so yeah it was, it was just i mean look at the look at the best picture nominees for this year wizard of oz stagecoach yeah. Dawn with the wind mr smith goes to washington wuthering heights goodbye mr chip it's just like what In one it's year? basically it's like we're reading an afi list of <laughs> Best, yeah. best films of all time. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's pretty crazy. All right, all right. We'll we'll get into the into the uh, the actors themselves. We'll start with uh, Lawrence Olivier as Heathcliff in Wuthering Heights. Now, yes. Lawrence Olivier, stellar actor, known for his classic uh, training in Shakespearean roles and stuff. He's been in like every single Shakespearean play, which he's fantastic or in. movie. I he say. carries the gravitas needed to play a King Lear, <laughs> or you know, um, in Wuthering Heights, though. I was less than thrilled with his particular portrayal. I thought it was a little cartoonish and not great for the status that he brings. <laughs> but I don't know. We'll go. We'll go yep. through it here. Uh, first finger here was Lawrence Olivier's performance Oscar worthy. We'll start with our esteemed guest. Um, I'll say yes. <clears throat> okay. I think it's. Um, I think it's quite memorable. Uh, I don't think it's his best film performance. But, uh, I think he was still sort of honing his screen craft at this point. You know, I mean, he famously worked with William Wyler on this, and Wyler was just so... Uh, what's the word? Um, dismissive of uh, Laurence Olivier's sort of theatrical flourishes on set, you know, and, and Laurence Olivier himself was really dismissive of film as a medium mm -hmm. so they clashed very very often on the set of Wuthering Heights um, and at the end of it William Wyler won, won out basically he would just you know, show him up every time Lawrence Living here stupid bloody things films you know um, <laughs> and, and, and Wyler would Wyler would actively encourage the crew around them to laugh whenever he did that so in the end um, Lawrence Olivier was was cowed I think by William Wyler which worked all kinds of wonders because he always credited Wyler afterwards as being the man who taught him all about screen acting and why it was a worthy um, pursuit. So, yeah, I think well, it's a yeah, I think go it's a good performance. I don't think it's his best screen performance, but I definitely think it yeah is memorable. You you think of Wuthering Heights, you do instantly think of 
dark brooding Laurence Olivier. So it's a finger sure. from me on that. But Oscar worthy? <laughs> I'm 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 a no for Oscar worthy. Okay, Jeff, uh, I'm, it's an Oscar worthy performance. Okay. <clears throat> Are they irreplaceable in this role? Is Heathcliff solely Laurence Olivier's? I say no. <laughs> it's a sort of, you know, literary classic. I, I think it, it's had many interpretations. So, you know, yes, like this particular film is very much tied to Laurence Olivier. But like, I, I think there are many other actors of that era that probably could have stepped in and done a more convincing, more subdued version uh, of it. I mean, you, you talk about the crew laughing at his bombastic uh, nature on, on the soundstage. Uh, well, some 80 years later, this audience member was laughing at some of the choices that Lawrence Olivia was making. Um, so yeah, I like, I, I would have enjoyed the movie just as much or not as well <laughs> equally uh, with another actor in, in that particular role. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I think there are a couple of other sort of heavyish types that um, could have played it equally well because he, he really only had to be, you know, is he half gypsy and sort of very brooding and moody and but sort of swarthy? Mm -hmm. And um, those aren't necessarily words I would use to describe Lawrence Olivier. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's funny in in my in my notes as I was watching it, I was like. There are, there are moments where he's just not he's not engaging with the his co-stars. <laughs> he's mm, sort of looking yeah. past them or he's looking off to the side and they're supposed to be having this like this torture, <clears throat> you know, uh, sexual yeah. tension and stuff and he's just not acknowledging them at all on on set uh, or during during their scenes and then they would do a close-up reverse shot of him and he felt more like a universal monster than he felt like yeah. this swarthy love interest that had this brooding yeah like, like like you were saying like like this complicated you know uh attitude and it it's took me right out because I, I expected him to just groan like frankenstein's monster you know it's just like oh he's being boris karloff right now <laughs> well <laughs> you know. he's, he's um he said he looks like he's always thinking about lunch <laughs> <laughs> he may be thinking of himself as a stage performer first and an actor on screen second so he may not actually be trying to like encompass the role like all other people do today he was the marlon brando of his time. well he no he prepares himself <laughs> yeah, as a yeah, really. in, in roles that other people will also play like he knows that with shakespeare sure. and stuff for this one no it's okay. because he's not trying to be someone who's going to be the only one playing that role sure you yeah. know acting's different today than it was back then um is this an example of his best work adam you kind of no! said that it's not necessarily no 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 his best work is the the jazz singer from 1908 with neil diamond <laughs> no, I'm really kidding. <laughs> Can you hear that rumbling? That's Ross Olivier rolling around in his grave right now. Um, yeah, no, it's definitely not. It's definitely not. He's definitely been better. And um, I mean, I I love him in Rebecca, which is you know only a year after this. Sure. But um, yeah. And how many times he was not. nominated? Like fourteen times. How many times yeah, was he actually lot. nominated? Yeah, it, was, for... it was a lot. I, I think oh, you're God, close yeah. to, to that number. Yeah. yeah it was crazy. Mm. He was I the think, original Kevin Costner. You know, he, right. he sort of he directed and got you know directors Oscars and actors Oscars and everything. So yeah, yeah. I think yeah he was he was was he nominated in a golf movie? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lawrence Olivier's Tin Cup. <laughs> tin Cup, old boy. Yeah. Did he also screw up Robin Hood? Just wondering. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. <laughs> no Errol Flynn did. Yeah, I was about to say Errol Flynn. I'm joking. You know, did that. <laughs> 
Uh, all right. Uh, so we're in, we're in unison there. Uh, was he believable as Heathcliff? Yeah, there was nothing wrong with his portrayal of Heathcliff. Sure. Mm. Yeah. No, I I'd, I'd say he was all right. Yeah, good as good as he. It's it's hard to like disparage <laughs> you know, Sir Lawrence Olivier. A, oh, I know it, it hurts. It hurts a little bit, right? Yeah, it does. It's like, <laughs> you feel like oh, God, dude, I'm going to pay for this in the afterlife. But um, no, I, <laughs> nothing I, against <laughs> his body of work or what he was able to do with his craft. Mm. It, it's this particular role now in comparison to that year's you know stable of other actors, right? Like that's where we're going. Mm. So no, I guess, that gets a finger from me. I think on that one. Okay. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's uh, believable from from you, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. I I, I also believe. I mean, the, hard pressed to say that Lawrence Olivier didn't convincingly portray a character <laughs> uh, <laughs> in general, even if it's not his best. You know. Yeah. Like absolutely, he embodied that character. The choices he was making, eh, I was a little sketchy on because our next mm-hmm. finger. Whether or not you were invested in his character, I'm wholly out because I did not care one iota what the hell he was doing <laughs> or whether or not <laughs> he actually got the girl or whether they got to you know live on their crag. I would you know. I would actually give him a finger for that because it, he I, I don't think there's anything wrong with his portrayal of Heathcliff. Yeah, I just I don't I didn't care about I didn't care about anything that was going on. He kind of sort of became a prick at the end of it. And I <laughs> wanted them the, all to die as soon as possible. That's the story. No, I know. But like there the more convincing sort of elements of his character came from the young actor who played him as a boy that like carried through for a little bit. And then sort of, he comes back from America and I lost all care and investment in his character in the movie, you know, for me at least. I'm, I I like a bastard on film. So I'm (laughs) going to give him a finger. I, I, I really like, I really like the fact that, um, he he sort of comes back. I I do remember, I, I haven't seen this film for a, for about a year, but I do remember feeling a little, you know, getting my heart fluttered when uh, when he comes. <laughs> I just swoon over him quite slightly. But, um, yeah, I'll give him a finger. <laughs> it's good. It's good to give Lawrence Olivier the finger in this case. <laughs> Two and one third fingers. Hey, yeah. it's our first third finger. We've uh, congratulations. You're now nice. a part of history on this podcast. Nice. All right. Two, two and one. a third fingers. Let's move on to Mickey Rooney. Ah, I like Mickey Rooney. <laughs> I like him in general. I like him. <laughs> <laughs> this is um, this is going to be a bit of a bloodbath from my side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Babes in Arms is an interesting sort of uh, like story in general. Um. I was I was sort of t- taken aback. Like they they sing "Good Morning," which I know as singing, singing in, the in the rain. rain. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And I was but like, I was in the rain. Oh no no, no yeah yeah yeah. Like I, I I was I was like, oh shit, this is the movie where that song started. And then mm. you know, go down the sort of Wikipedia rabbit hole, and you realize that like, oh no, the actual original musical that this is based on was like every song was a top forty hit. My Funny Valentine and, you know, a slew of other, of other um, songs was like, why, why the hell didn't they just use those songs in this movie? <laughs> and then like the, the discrepant, like they changed everything no, they, except they, yeah, for they, there's they kids flushed all and the they make a show. <laughs> That's the yeah. only thing they kept from the original as like, why even name it babe, Babes in Arms at this point? And then you throw Mickey Rooney just 
I don't know. Was he coked out of his mind? I, I don't know. Like he, he brings an intensity. I think he was on his fourth marriage by this point. Actually. <laughs> at 19? <laughs> yeah, I think he was on, at 19. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah. I, had, I mean, this is it's, it's fine as a film. The blackface is obviously a bit uncomfortable. Yeah. It's, a, it's um, cringy for a modern audience for sure. Yeah. The uh, dance routines actually are really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's fine for but, a musical. The, uh, the, if you've a, seen oh, go ahead. If you've seen uh, something like Footlight Parade or Gold Diggers of 33 or it's hard to really sort of you know, you have to really do something special I think with with musicals like Singing in the Rain even you do, so many moments in that that just like ugh, imprint on your on your brain. Babes and Arms is one that has never really sort of taken up occupancy on any kind of shelf in my head. So um I do find it incredibly hard to recall these i mean it has it has charm to it um but yeah it's not I, i'm really surprised this is the most surprising nominee for me in, in the lot especially yes. because it's the follow-up from wizard of oz for oh, for, for judy garland for judy yeah. garland it's like you came yeah. off wizard of oz and now you're doing this yeah mm. i mean wizard of oz has so many imprintable moments mm. you know even that it's surprising you know that yeah it, well but i mean like who, who do you nominate as in lead actor from wizard of oz it's like uh Judy. M. <laughs> no, no no for Hello. lead actor it's just like scarecrow yeah it's a it's an ensemble and judy garland <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, and she I was, would have nominated um lon cheney jr over mickey rooney from uh mice and men he, he's great oh yeah. Um, yeah yeah um I mean, even uh, Charles Boyer from Love Affair, I would put him in there over Mickey Rooney. It's very odd that he's yeah. in there. It's just, it's such a fluffy, forgettable kind of movie. <laughs> and, really and it's find so it inconsistent. I don't mind Mickey Rooney in this. Like I said to you, Corey, is that every time I saw him, I thought of Night at the Museum <laughs> and the grouchy old man at the end. Of, that's all I thought of. I was like... He's- it's, He's it's so endearing, his grouchy old man. So you were just like that colored your viewing of Babes in Arms. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure he'd be delighted to know that after a decade of, uh, you know, a century of <laughs> century of entertainment, he's remembered like as the grouchy old films. man. It all gets whittled yeah. down to a night at the museum. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Standing next to Dick Van Dyke in a locker room. That's what it all gets whittled down to. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's run the metric. All right, so is the performance Oscar worthy? I think uh, I know where, where Adam's going. <laughs> I'm just going to let you guys do it because I'm not, I, I don't all think. Right. No, 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 your opinion to is be valid. Honest, no, to be honest, I don't think it's compared to all these other actors. No, I don't think it's it's Oscar worthy compared to these other actors. Yeah, so goose egg I don't, across I don't, the board. I don't think it's Oscar worthy. No. All right. Uh, sorry. Um, is Mickey Rooney irreplaceable as Mickey Moran? <laughs> In this film, I actually. Oh, sorry. Go yeah, ahead. I'd say yes. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have replaced that character with anyone else. So yeah, I would say, say perhaps I, he's irreplaceable. Yeah, I would say that he fits that character perfect. Yeah, I think he could have taken some energy down in some scenes so that they mattered more <laughs> in the parts where he was more erratic uh, with it. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I, I cannot picture anybody else doing Mickey Rooney. <laughs> Absolutely. So, why this this metric is scientific, Adam? (laughs) You know, it it doesn't. uh, You know, you can still get points even if it wasn't your best. All right, Uh, is this an example of Mickey Rooney? Is this an example of Mickey Rooney's best work? Absolutely not. No. Mm -hmm. No, I'd say no. No. Oh, clearly, Uh, human comedy. Night at the museum. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, then you want you want to see him be Dick Van Dyke's shadow. That, that's where the guy really fits in. Um, no, Human Comedy is a much better film. The Andy Hardy films are great too. I mean, in their own way. I mean, they're very much like. Them. Have you seen any of the Andy Hardy movies? I have not. So, like, there, there was about ten of them, and they're all very small town sort of comedy drama things. And you know, it's sort of like it follows Andy Hardy as he grows up, becomes a man, finds his first job, gets gets you know his first girlfriend and stuff. They're incredibly, um, incredibly sexist now. I was watching them a little while ago, and thinking, God, well, all he does is talk, bark about how how awful women are and bloody pain on pain in the ass and the pestilence on mankind. <laughs> he sits there with his dad, and they just basically give off for about half an hour on um. <laughs> You know, well, yeah, well, your mum's the exception and all this kind of thing. It's like, whoa. <laughs> but um, I have to say that, you know, as, as when you take all that crap out, um, they're really nice little portrayals of, of small-town America, and he's he's really, really good in them. Um, and Judy Garland pops up two or three times. You can tell they were, you know, um, good friends in real life. So he's, the, he's de- definitely done better things, I would say, than Babes in Arms. So that's my very long-winded way of saying no finger from me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Was he believable as uh, energetic son of a vaudevillian? I say yes. (laughs) Of course, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's an over-the-top musical, yes. Well, and even like... The way the way that he um, brings that energy as a performer, when even when he's just in their living room, you know, rattling off the new, you know, piece of the show that he wants to work out with with his troupe. But if you were to, Mm. okay, so yeah, look at Mickey Rooney in this the same way you look at friggin' John Travolta in Greece. I mean, yeah, is he believable? Yeah, but it's a musical. I mean, of course, it's well, is John Travolta at at whatever (laughs) thirty believable as a high schooler? That's what they say. He's got he's got like a full like (laughs) beard and like come come on. I mean, (laughs) but Mickey Rooney nineteen. He's sort of in the same age. He's got the like energetic youth that is needed for somebody who is you know, like really gunning for his piece of the industry that his father is, is sort of, you know, falling out of like, I, I give it. Yeah. I, I would. yeah. yeah. Uh, we're dangerously close to scoring him higher than uh, Lawrence Olivier, by the way. <laughs> not okay, to the next one, not to next one, not no. to, you know, color the <laughs> results here or anything, but uh, <clears throat> uh, were you invested in his character? No. <laughs> 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 um, oh God! I mean, I can't say I wasn't invested in his character, but I mean, I have to give it to him. He's, he's, I mean, he he does he does a good job of it. It's just I'm really just su- surprised that of all the acting performances in this year, he was in the top five. It's oh, a difficult one. That yeah, I'm I'm a no to yeah. It's like you're willing him on all the way through. Yeah, you've done something good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I th- I I'd agree with that. Yeah, totally. So so it's a no for me too. <laughs> oh, switching to no. Oh, yeah, switching to no. Okay, well, that breaks the tie with Lawrence Olivier. <laughs> <laughs> Two fingers for Mickey Rooney. Gone with the Wind, huge movie this year. Tops all of the nominations, tops the wins. Uh, Clark Gable left sitting without a statue at a table with a bunch of people who got statues. And arguably, yeah. arguably one of the most um, well-known movies from this year. Absolutely. It was so, like the biggest movie. Well, I mean, um, for generations upon generations, for some reason, uh, Gone with the Wind is still known. Where mm-hmm. I don't, I still don't think people... Gen Z, millennials, I don't think they really know Mr. Smith goes to Washington other than maybe some 
whimsical references that maybe they don't understand or a youtube clip that somebody yeah. uh puts up when some modern day politician uh screws up or you know. i wouldn't even think they'd get that but i think everybody understands like gone with the wind or maybe even the frankly i don't give a damn oh yeah yeah references. it's it's transcended into pop culture for yeah sure. I, I just think that mm. a lot of people get those references but yeah, yeah and 100 it having viewed all of these movies sort of back to back to back to back i ended with gone with the wind and notably gone with the wind felt more like modern cinema to me you know, it didn't have a lot of the um, sort of uh, overlapping cross dissolve transitions that sort of don't quite finish a particular scene into another scene that you see in like uh, even Mr. Smith Goes to Washington or Goodbye Mr. Chips have those where you're like, oh, we didn't quite finish that that shot. You know, like yeah. oh, we, we didn't quite leave that moment yet. And we're already moving on onto the next thing. Gone with the Wind has. I mean, it's, it's the first Coppola film, right? Um. <laughs> 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 There's the reason why it's definitely it definitely lasted. It's seen as almost it's almost held up as the poster boy for golden age of Hollywood, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, it's yeah. I would say everyone says Jaws is the first summer blockbuster. I would say Gone with the Wind's probably the first blockbuster. You know, the the big event, epic movie, exciting, romantic, color, loud, but also emotionally affecting. Great performances, incredible production values, and then you have all the Selznick marketing savvy and. Um, the campaigns for the actress behind it all. I mean, people were scrambling to get to theaters when this thing hit. So, um, I mean, you tie it all together in a bow. You can see why it's, I think, um, not on grosses, but on ticket sales alone, adjusted for inflation, still by far the, the most successful film of all time, doubled, you know, uh, uh, doubled the revenue of Avatar adjusted for inflation. So, um, there's a there's a reason why it, it, it's endured and it will continue to do so. <clears throat> like you say, Hart, you do feel a bit for for Gable, but consolation prize is that he already had an Oscar anyway from a few years before. So well, yes, it's, but it's like, like his, it's not like his shelf was empty. <laughs> no, but but this being a tentpole moment in a in a career to be attached to this particular film that yeah, but this got all really, the gold that it did. This is really Vivian Lee's. That's moment. true. That's true. And she's, yeah. she was like fabulous. The perfect, film. She was like the perfect uh, starlet. Oh yeah. At this time. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 It is a great film. Clark Gable, Oscar worthy. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. It's just, it's just the way he slides around the, the screen from each scene, you know, he just, he owns it. Yeah. Absolutely. Oscar worthy. Yeah. I feel like if you, whenever they have one of those, even though he didn't win, I feel like whenever they have those <coughs> montages before the Oscars, they always have like a scene of him and Vivian Lee. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like it's always like a scene yeah. of them yeah. somewhere in those montages. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He, he lights every single scene up. Even when he's light, leaning on a banister and looking up the stairs. What's he <laughs> oh, doing? true. You know, Absolutely. But, but my God, you just look at him and you go, that is a movie star. <laughs> this is exactly what I, what I wrote, it, wrote in my notes. Like there's there's a moment uh, early on where they're having like a uh, like a guys meeting where, where they're talking about like, we're about to go to war or whatever. And he kind of mm. uh, is standing off to the side, leaning against a fireplace. And it just kind of cuts mm. to him. And you're just like, fuck yeah, that dude. Right? Like that's the guy <laughs> yeah. that... Everybody in the room wants to be friends with. Well, you know, way, like you could tell right off the bat. He, he says he glides through that room, has his scene. He sort of is like. I it's mean, also the way they shouldn't. lit that film, the way they lit oh, everything. Yeah. Everybody just is perfect. Everybody on their A game for that particular film. Mm. Yeah, definitely a definitely a finger for me on that one. 
<laughs> All I right, get the is Clark, he's going to score quite high. <laughs> yeah, I think I know the answer to this particular question, but is Clark Gable irreplaceable in this film? Now, yes. the only thing about the only thing about this is that there are <clears throat> other people that were around at the time sure. who could have possibly fallen into that role. And I was go, on the fence. Did <laughs> that person have been in that role and felt the same way with the same costuming, lighting, sets, director? All of that would they have kind of been able to do that same role? Like similar thing would be like Pulp Fiction. You know, John Travolta did a great job in Pulp Fiction, but Michael Madsen in that same role, it could have been just as convincing. Just sure, the kind of very similar yeah. characters. But would it have been as iconic? That's without, say, that's what know, I'm saying. Like, like, I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. I hemmed and hawed on on this one in particular because. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there, there are other actors that could have stepped in and because of the epic nature of that story fit in nicely. But like we were just talking about, the camera goes to him and you see a movie star. You see the presence that he brings and the presence that is matched by the character that he's supposed to be playing. So for me, irreplaceable. Clark Gable has to be Rhett Butler. I, I agree. Yeah. You've convinced me. <laughs> you could you could say someone like Lawrence Olivier might have played it. I'm, 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 I'm literally running through leading men in my mind now. Robert Montgomery. It's like, it's almost like he's the perfect blend of everything. Like he's massive. He's a huge guy, right? He needed to be. He needed to be like, <laughs> you need to look at him and go, whoa, I wouldn't want to make, you know, mess with that guy. You needed to be like devilishly handsome and, you know, stroll into a room and everyone falls to his feet. He ticks that box. Um, Dripping charisma. He also needs to be not, so serious you know i mean if you put someone like olivia in that role you just get the intense thing again but gable just you know he's he's all cackling and grinning mm -hmm. and sort of winking at the camera and stuff it's just i think it's hard to you could think of names that could play that role but i don't think you could ever really get anyone that would play it better than gable so yeah because all yeah. the all the names i think have come after that come in the the 50s and yeah. and early 60s yeah. and they're not him they're too they're too they're more contemporary but he was at a time yeah. when there weren't the same. Maybe it's maybe they were around because of him. But he yeah. was at a time when there weren't guys that had that same that same swagger that he had. Exactly, it's all about swagger, like you say. I mean, even someone like you know, I'm, I'm pulling names out. I'm really not suggesting that they should have cast him. But someone like Cary Grant had charisma, but that's not that's what the I was swagger. thinking actually. Someone like someone like Cagney had the swagger, but not the charisma. Mm -hmm. uh, not not the sort of romantic thing. It's very hard to to think of anyone who could could have played every single element of Rhett Butler as well. So, uh, yeah, irreplaceable for me. I yeah, I, I think <laughs> he checks all, all of the, the right boxes. The most important box for me, really, for his character was mm. that mustache sort of... No, well, yeah, the mustache. <laughs> <laughs> like, he was his generation, Sam Elliott. No, um, uh, <laughs> the, the playful nature in which he bounced off of Vivian Lee in their little cat and mouse mm. game the entire movie. Um, well, that yeah. made the movie. Right, that was, right. That was the movie. And for him to then go from that through the devastation of the events of the film yeah. into a guy at the end that says, frankly, dear, I don't give a damn. And you just go, whoa, that's cold. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you <got> like, told. <laughs> he's done. You know, that that is... I mean, I've I've kind of got goosebumps just just remembering it. Like the the journey yeah. of his character has so many facets to it that yeah, like he checked off every single one of those boxes. So, so every everyone just remembers the the court the courtship bit and the frankly, my dear, don't give a damn. The whole bit with his daughter and everything, and yeah. and even the Atlanta fire where he's rushing in and he's grabbing oh, yeah. people and stuff. You just go, Whoa. 
he's so good in this film. <laughs> he's yeah, yeah. It's like trying to say someone else could have played Indiana Jones or something. You know, it's, it's almost like no, someone else could have played it, but no one else should have played it. Yes, we we actually we actually have a game we play every once in a while on our show where we we mix and match and we try and see who would play different characters. Mm. So we've actually played that game with <laughs> with several different movies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good, good. It doesn't always come out well. <laughs> no. It doesn't always no. come out well. Uh, is this an example of Clark Gable's best work? Hmm. Most famous work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I like pre-code stuff. Um, he did a lot of, like, villain roles. Things like um, Night Nurse. He's fantastic in that. Uh, but a very different character. I would, I'd say probably no. I'd say, hmm. I, if I... Yeah. It's hard. He gets everything right. He does brooding. He does romantic. He does that action man. He does funny. He does, and he does it all so well. He does fake drunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the hardest thing to do as an uh, actor convincingly be drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I've just had to do a drunk drunk scene for Carrie too, actually. So uh, yeah, that that was that was quite a challenge. I was wasn't. I was actually a little bit drunk at the night. <laughs> we'll it, helps. it helps. It helps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I really liked him in this movie. I I, I would give it, uh, you know, in his list of good uh, best work. I would I would put it in there. Yeah, yeah. I prefer him in It Happened One Night. I think um, only because that's he's a good played... movie. Yeah, that's a good movie. Yeah, I like you can see movie. why you can see why he got the Oscar for that. He just absolutely sizzles all the way through that film. Um, and if I want to, if I want a Gable fix, I would reach for that rather than three and a half hour Gone with the Wind. Well, that's it's an endurance watching anyway. <laughs> Yeah, so, <laughs> but, long. so long. But you can't say you know this is not his best work because it kind of is. So yeah, he gets a finger from me on that one. Oh, it's okay. We're going going with a finger there. Yeah, I will. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'd actually say it's my his best work. Sweet. Was he believable? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yep. Uh, agreed. Uh, were you invested in his character? Yeah, I love him. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'd say I was invested in his character. Yeah? Yeah, I would. If not for the last part, it would be a sort of no for me because he kind of just floats in and out. But yeah, it's really powerful stuff that happens at the end of this film with his particular character. So yeah. Mm, yeah, it's very clever the way it's done. I mean, um, because he's so carefree in the first... Mm -hmm. uh, six thirds of the film, like you said. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it makes it makes the pain when it arrives just that more tragic. I think because yeah. you're like, oh no, he'll never return to that character again because of what he's been through. Yep. Uh, yeah, you, yeah, he's broken at at a certain mm, point, yeah. and you're you're heartbroken for him. Yeah, you, know, you like, mourn the point. loss of him. Don't yeah, you? you're kind of like, oh. I want the old rep back. But I know he's never coming. <laughs> All right. Well, high five to Clark Gable. What? Perfect, perfect five. This is a perfect score. We wow. almost, if Adam hadn't changed his uh, his mind uh, on whether or not it was his best work, he would have had, you know, four and two thirds. But, but Dude, it's Clark Gable. Come on. And it's one of the it's most hard. iconic films hard. of all time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So high, high five for Clark Gable. All right. Moving on yep. to Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, oh, one of my favorite actors of all time, Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, mine too. 
Um, this is where I, I really fell in love with with a lot of actors like <laughs> Jimmy Stewart. Yeah, he is a, a bit sometimes. Yeah, a little over actor, but yeah. Um, but like Jimmy Stewart and Cary yeah. Grant, I first fell in love with them through Hitchcock and then, you know, sort of rediscovered a lot of their stuff you didn't first, afterwards. But Honestly, the first time I ever saw Jimmy Stewart was It's a Wonderful Life. I was like three years old. <laughs> okay, so Jimmy Stewart is the performance Oscar worthy for Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. You know, we got to remember this is one of the first movies inducted into the Library of Congress. Mm-hmm. Just throw well, that out there. Yeah. It's about it's Congress. An Oscar they were worthy. obligated. It's <laughs> <laughs> an Oscar worthy. 100%. Yeah. This is like one of the greatest performances ever. Uh, we we actually watched this. Um, uh, all my patrons, uh, every Sunday night, we watch a movie together. Um, Sunday night's film club. And we watched this back in, I think, March. And that's a fantastic idea, by the way. Sorry, oh, thanks. That's, that's <laughs> it's, it's cool. <laughs> um, we watch it all online, and um, we're, we're all chatting. And oh god, it's like he starts off so idealistic. The second half mm-hmm. of it is just oh, it's agonizing to watch. He's just breathtaking in this, especially the filibuster and mm-hmm. when he's looking up and like they bring the letters in and tip them out and breaks his heart, and you just see everything pouring out of his face. It's oh god. This is chills. painful to watch now. <laughs> no, it's yeah. not. In mm. America. <laughs> oh, well, it, it's very interesting that this movie would, would sort of show up uh, on, you know, on, on the show, given the modern uh, debate about the filibuster, where it's used so to its, like, ethical purity in this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I must admit, first time I watched this movie, I think it was about 20, 21 or something. And I, I never really got the whole American government structure thing. Like, there's representatives, there's a house, there's a senator, there's a senate, there's a yeah. president, there's executive <laughs> orders, there's filibusters. And I was like, oh, I don't really understand what's happening. And then, um, why, why are representatives different from senators and all this kind mm-hmm. of thing? But I have to say, since 2016, oddly, um, <laughs> American politics, <laughs> American politics oh, yeah. has been very, um, uh, you know. A, a big thing even in the UK so I, I when, when we rewatched this in March I was like oh I totally get what they're doing oh, that's, that's yeah, the third it's, branch it's of incredible government. what disaster will do for an American civics lesson for the entire world right? <laughs> well I couldn't possibly comment on <laughs> yeah, um, yeah it's, a, it's a magnificent magnificent performance and I, I, sorry, my point, my original point was that uh, we watched it in film club and there were people of all ages there, all backgrounds. Some had never seen it. Some had seen it before. And everyone was just, you know, weeping and cheering and leaping over themselves by the end of this film. Even people who'd seen it 30 times like me. So it's just such a good, good performance. Great movie. Love it. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I totally agree. <laughs> Um, like so Oscar worthy, yeah, he hits everything. As I was researching this story, mm-hmm. Jimmy Stewart's character is actually based on a real life oh, congressman. He? He's based on the junior senator from Montana, oh. who went to who went to Congress as junior senator, and he did a similar thing mm-hmm. because he was involved in the investigation of Warren G. Harding. Oh. And the person, and the reason why he was doing this is he was investigating Warren G. Harding for the Teapot Dome scandal. Oh, no shit! Which led to the death of of Ned Doheny. Ned Doheny. That's funny. <laughs> Ties into the 
crime <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Wow. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. yeah really odd. All the podcasts are connected on this network. I'm just going to have to <laughs> look at that out. But still, I thought it was really interesting. I was watching that. I'm like, holy crap. That's that's fun. That's that's what this is based on. I, I wonder if Jimmy Stewart even <laughs> like uh, like. I mean, actors now today would like go meet that guy. Oh, and, they'd like, be all method about yeah, it. Yeah, like, you know, like, like try to get into his headspace and stuff. I'm sure I'm, I'm not sure that that was. Oh, he was gone to Washington. He'd be sitting next to Matt Gates for four days and been like, hey, I'm going <laughs> oh, to I'm learn how to filibuster. Not that guy. <laughs> no, if you want to talk to King Filibuster, you go to Ted Cruz. No, you'd go to Mansion. Yeah, you go to Mansion. Anyway, anyway right. enough. No politics. No <laughs> enough politics. American politics. <laughs> uh, what, what is your grade? Jeff, was was he Oscar worthy in Mr. Smith? Absolutely, he's hundred percent Oscar worthy. Could you could you see anybody else <clears throat> playing the Jimmy Stewart role in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington? I, I think there are probably some other actors of the era that could have done just as good a job. Yes, it pains me to say that, but yes, I think Henry Fonda would have done a good job. Oh yeah, but I think I think him and Jimmy Stewart were very similar anyway. I think a lot of people could have played this role. Yeah, 12 Angry Men has same kind of feel to it. But same, you know, very, you know, well, I believe this is right. I'm going to I'm going to argue for it. I can totally see Henry Fonda playing this role. So in that, I would say but I would also say with a caveat, I think anyone could have played it, but no one could have like it wouldn't have felt the same. Um I don't know. Jimmy you kind Stewart. of convinced me with Henry Fonda. So, I mean, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, because I actually I mean, like fact- him better. So that actually, <laughs> the fact that, the fact that I could say that just goes to, pr- yeah, say that. Um, yeah, I actually, yeah. yeah that, I do think someone else yeah. could have played. I mean, this. like if, if we're, if we're going forward generations too, like Gregory Peck could have nailed this role. Yeah. You know? He could have nailed that actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that, Oh, this, if we're going for forward. No, no, no. I, I know we can't like, necessarily. That doesn't there, qualify. But other... like, you know, like Jimmy Stewart puts a good stamp on it. But I, I think that there mm. there are other actors that probably could have been just as convincing. There are guys from that time that could have done it. Absolutely. So I, that's why I would say I wouldn't. I, I really like the the not to Henry Fonda. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think he he would have <laughs> absolutely been just as good. And you wouldn't have. Well, now modern audience would wouldn't necessarily. I don't think they're as familiar with Henry Fonda as they are. Jimmy Stewart. His body of work is not as big. Well, maybe. I mean, it's no. not as. It's just not as. It hasn't transcended to younger generations like Jimmy Stewart. Right. So he he would he would be more natural, I think, feeling from a modern audience perspective. Even so, but. I think Gary Cooper could have played this as well. I think probably Robert Montgomery. I think Don Amici, very underrated, could have could have given a good Mister Smith. The more mm-hmm. I think about it, actually, the more I think, yeah, loads of people could have played this. Sweet. There was definitely a type. I think Jimmy Stewart, you know was incandescent in it but i don't think it i don't think it was exclusively his no yeah no fingers <laughs> nope no nope, we got a good say for Jim, jimmy stewart no, it hurts me a little bit but <laughs> that does not I, mean I think it's valid it's, it's valid hmm. okay yeah, was it an ex- okay so this one is going to hurt also because <laughs> uh was it an example of jimmy stewart's best work all of his work is his best work yes oh, <laughs> except for harvey you think so come on man jimmy, jimmy stewart, stewart so much. has some great great movies you know you there's more movies that he has been in that you can put it up there as like quintessential jimmy stewart is this his best work yes I, I wouldn't want people to sleep on this film because it wouldn't be considered his iconic work right like i, I think that he's mm. he does a masterful job in this role 
doing what he needs to do to portray the sort of desperation by the end of like, you know, giving his message out. Um, so for me, yeah, I, I would put it up there, you know, like, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily give him, you know, like something like rope as his best work. Um, that movie in general is a little flat, but, um, not, not because of Jimmy Stewart. He's probably the best acting part of that particular movie, but, um, something like this, like it would be one that I would recommend to people. So for me, that makes it a best work caliber type of role. Sorry for me, it's, it's rather difficult because, um, I think no one else could have played Elwood Dowd as well. But then It's a Wonderful Life is my favourite film of all time. And there's, I mean, the, what I love about It's a Wonderful Life is that all of his great moments in it are just the smaller ones. There's a moment where his brother gets off the train and just announces that he's not coming back to take over the business. He's going to go off and speak to you know his, his wife's new his new father-in-law is going to take a job but I, I, look, let me get my luggage i'll be back in a moment and it sort of goes off and there's a moment where it, it just hits him that he's actually not going to get out of town again and he sort of walks over and can see his heart breaking but he has to put on a brave face because his, his new sister-in-law has just arrived so he sort of tries to smile and then sort of directs the luggage around and you just watch that moment and it's like there's every single emotion on there is heartbreak and there's mm -hmm. but there's real love for his brother and there's this forced joy and oh my god i'm gonna have to live through another 10 years of this town um i always think that's just like it's probably the one of the greatest moments ever by any actor to to do you know for such a for such a light-hearted film you know on paper Frank Capra must have gone, okay, just be heartbroken, but go over there. By the time you get there, you need to be acting as if you're not heartbroken. And he just nails it, nails it completely. That's not to say Mr. Smith Goes to Washington isn't his best work, because I do think it's incredible. The, the way he looks around the, the Senate and says, are you guys actually doing this to me? Yeah. It's just, it's hard with Jim, James Stewart, because every single role he was just so good in. Um, Vertigo, he's just so good in... <laughs> Rose, I love so Vertigo. Good. Harvey, he's so good. It's just really, 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 really difficult. Um, if I was going to... I'm going to have to say no, because I do think the It's a Wonderful Life moment for me. It's, it's just... That's the film I would always recommend. But I got it. It really, really, really pains me <laughs> to do that. See, but I, I, I assume, because It's a Wonderful Life has been played on television for decades that people will have would would have seen that or at least are yeah. aware of that and the you know the performances that, that didn't they have to that. like sue to not have it on tv <laughs> i think they did i think they actually like sued to stop them from playing well it was it was part of that whole like well yeah we got a wonderful life and we got wizard of oz like put them on tv sure nobody's gonna watch tv tv's a nothing medium and then it became this appointment for families across the globe <laughs> yeah yeah you know to watch those specific movies at specific moments in 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 the year but yeah, I, I don't know. Like there's a, there's a moment for me that solidifies it when he makes the decision not to defend himself in that closed door meeting, you know, mm -hmm. where he's he just is so fed up with the bullshit that's going on in the room that he just turns around and walks out. That moment to me is akin to the moment you're, you're talking about, too, where you, you know, everything right. washes over his face. You can see him thinking about it, maybe thinking maybe I want to I want to say something and then just going. 
nah, this isn't fucking worth it. I need to try to figure out how to play their game in their arena, not here. He's so hurt as well, isn't he? He's like, really? You're my father's friend? Yeah. In fact, you know, you're going to have to give him a finger from me. I can't I can't fault his performance in this. It's just, it's, it's absolutely <laughs> magnificent. There's a, the, the bit on the train where he's telling, you know, uh, Claude Rains about the fact that they're talking about his dad and he came in, he still had his hat on, even though he'd been shot, you know, and... Uh, and the, their their scenes together are just so beautiful, and which makes the betrayal all the more oh, yeah. painful. Oh, Claude Rains is the, great in this movie too. Oh my god! Yeah, I, I mean, he was nominated as well for best supporting yes. actor, wasn't he? He, he should have Thomas won. Mitchell from yeah. comedy. He should have. Oh my god! I, he's incredible. We talk about career bests. This for me is Claude Rains' best. Yes performance he's oh god he's electrifying <laughs> so good when he stands up and just destroys the the warm fuzzy reputation by saying he's a criminal and you just see jimmy stewart like what the fuck is going on here yeah all across his face you know that's it's when he yeah. sits back sits down as well after having condemned jimmy yep. stewart and and you can Knowing see he's exactly fixed, what he did God, I'm such a I'm such a bad person. I can't yeah. believe what I've just done, and he can't look him in the eye. And it's oh god, it's just amazing. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I will say the one problem I have with this movie is knowing that that would never actually happen in real life. <laughs> it is a little bit storybook. <laughs> I see every. Yeah. I see what senators do now. I yeah. pay a lot of attention to politics. Mm-hmm. When I see those senators sit down, none of them would do that ever. Yeah, but no one would know, gain a conscience. But I, I also <laughs> mid filibuster going back. <laughs> they just waited out and yeah. vote how they were going to vote anyway. Going back to this, I mm-hmm. I don't want to to take something away from Jimmy Stewart, knowing that he has just got better as he left. Sure. You know what I mean? Like as he made kept making movies and movies, he got better and better and better. So at the time, you know, this movie was such a controversy mm-hmm. and it made such a stir. I actually would say yes. I would I would give it a finger for that. It was, it was enough to get FDR shaking in his boots. They're like, they're going to make us look bad on a world stage. We're about actually, to go to war. They showed it for the, they showed it for the, what's it called for the, for the press corps. Yeah. And it made the press corps look terrible. And they showed yeah. it to him anyway. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, when, <laughs> when they all like run, run away like school children. Cause there's a filibuster. Mm, like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> tripping over the Ooh, stairs. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Fun oh, times. Good movie. Uh, was Jimmy Stewart believable in this role? Yeah. And, I mean, yeah. Just beyond believable. <laughs> it's like he became another person for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, he became two separate people. You know, there's the before yeah. person and the after person too. I believe he fainted. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only part that's a little, a little extra. Is, is the part like, he had been talking straight for 36 hours? I think is is how long mm. he 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 talks in the thing. So like, mm. yeah, you you might pass out. No, he got very Daniel Day Lewis with this. <laughs> <laughs> no no it's good it's it's yeah absolutely believable yeah, yeah. in agreement absolutely. okay and um, were you invested in this character yes yes yeah. yes okay yeah, he's gonna sell, he sold me he i think sold I think me we, a windows pc <laughs> yeah we we just talked uh <laughs> <at> windows <large>. <laughs> pc <laughs> about why we were invested in his character yeah. that's how that's how much i believed <laughs> Windows anything. 7. <laughs> could have sold me an uh, Commodore 64. <laughs> he could have sold me a license for Vista. <laughs> Ooh, very solid four fingers for Jimmy Stewart. Oh, okay. Okay, so that means we're on to the next one. Mr. Chips himself. Yep. So oh, Robert Donnett, who won he did. the Academy Award, probably the only mm-hmm. person on here that 
gets his name mispronounced because <laughs> as an Academy Award winner, he's he's not as iconic as probably the rest of the list. That's true. No, that's that's fair. Yep. But that does not mean that he wasn't worthy of being put on this list. Mm-hmm. I am, I'm, I'm very interested to, uh, to hear what you guys say about Robert Dunnett. I have, I, I have, I love, like, I read this book, I think, in like middle school. Is that, is that when we read mm. Goodbye, Mr. Chips? I'm not sure. I did not ever you read know, this never, book. I watched I, the movie. I, did not read I remember it. reading it and then we watched the movie as, you know, like, uh, that's part of the American school system. I'm not sure how, how they work it in, in the UK, but like, you read a, a piece of literature only because it has a movie attached to it that, that you watch after <laughs> you. <laughs> maybe you weren't, a, maybe you weren't in AP classes, but. That's not what happens. I know I, it's it's in jest, but I I do remember watching this film after having read the book, um, uh, except that we watched the Peter O'Toole version, not not this particular version. So watching this version, mm. the entire time I kept thinking like, this isn't the Mister Chips that I remember. Mm. <laughs> that We're completely songs. disregarding <laughs> that they were thirty years apart, because I really loved the Peter O'Toole version of Goodbye, Mister mm. Chips. You know, it's having, a great story. Yeah, having read yeah. the book, loved the book. Uh, loved the Peter O'Toole version, and then you know, watching this, it took me a while to realize, like, oh, oh, this is a completely different version of the film that I'm familiar with. I like the Mr. Holland's Opus version, <laughs> Richard, <laughs> Richard Dreyfus as Mr. Dead Chips. Poet Society version. I like yeah, the, the Dead, Poet, Dead Poet, Poet Society, Society version. I like the version where they all get on their desks and say, "My captain, my captain, captain, oh, my captain, captain, my captain." captain. <laughs> Copy DM. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's a tale as old as time, isn't it? Yeah. But I, I will say that I absolutely uh, like th- this film to me felt the most like dated as far as the filmmaking mm. styles, the way they, yeah, they yeah. shot it. Uh, everything <laughs> felt like it was very much on a set. Um, mm. The transitions from scene to scene here felt very much like of an era, you know, but I did absolutely mm. adore Robert Donnant's performance in this particular film. There's yeah. some subtleties that he brings in, in this thing where I was like, damn, that's that's really good like choice that he's making. Yeah, but I will say that when you watch when you saw, watch Goodbye Mr. Chips and then you watch um Gone with the Wind, they mm. look like two separate eras. It looks like they're yeah. 40 years they apart. Like they, yeah, yeah, they look absolutely two different complete. I mean, that shows you that can definitely show you that what was going on in Hollywood at that time sure. where that some people were just making a different type of film. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I definitely agree. Definitely agree. I think I think uh, Goodbye, Mr. Chips has lo- lo- lots of problems. I I do I do think it's see. I love James Hilton stuff, like, like you know, Random Harvest and Goodbye, Mr. Chips, and all, all those kinds of stories where you just are made to feel so fuzzy. <laughs> I think that's part <laughs> of the reason I love the Golden Age of Cinema. I know I'm not going to be appalled. <laughs> I know I'm probably going to swoon a couple of times. I know that the, the performances in those times, uh, you know, have since been been bettered by by professionals who've taken that craft and developed it and turned it into something else. But I like I like a, I like a short story. I like it. I like stories well told. I like efficiency in storytelling. <laughs> Ironically, as a man who produces a 13 hour <laughs> podcast on Gary Grant's life. Big on um, efficiency, Adam Roach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first. Oh, God. I'm going to keep it and things like that thrown back in my face when I say them. Um, 
yeah, I, I, I really like Goodbye, Mr. Chips. It's one of the films that um, I reach for when I need a bit of chicken soup for my soul. I just, I think it's a, a big warm hug of a movie. Yeah, I'm not surprised it didn't win Best Picture. Let's just say that. Yeah, I think there it's, were it's definitely bit- more inventive things going on in 1939. Absolutely. Specifically Gone with the Wind who won. Like like I said, it feels yeah. more like a modern era film. You know, that it was totally deserved to win. Yeah. Yeah, God. I mean, just com- completely changed the the landscape. It was event event filmmaking, wasn't mm-hmm. it? It was, you know, uh, But it feels like 5 years Mr. earlier. Chips. Feels like 5 years earlier Mr. Chips would have Yeah. Yeah. Had, it does. Yeah, it had feels had like a 1936 movie. Yeah. You're right. It's, it's yeah. definitely like a mid it, it has a, a different feel to it. Um, I mean, even Wizard of Oz, just look at, I mean, the, just breathtaking splendor on screen. There's mm-hmm. nothing splendorous about Goodbye, Mr. Chips. It's just a very small human story that was told in a, in a very, rather old-fashioned way. But um, I do I do like it. I, I do really do appreciate it. Is the performance Oscar-worthy? Yes. Yes. Yes, yes I would I say so. it's Oscar-worthy. Yeah. Is his role in the film irreplaceable? Hmm. That's interesting. I would say of the was, era. Hmm. Yeah. Peter O'Toole does a pretty damn good job too. <clears throat> yeah, I don't. I don't think it's irreplaceable. I think other people could have could have played it. I love that Robert Donner played it, and um, I think he's incredible in it. I think he's excellent. But uh, that's not to say that other people couldn't have played it. Yeah, I think Paul Muni could have done a really good job in this as well are you guys Paul Muni fans I, I, I'd put him in anything I love him <laughs> could, he, could he have done the old guy the you know uh, butterflied you know lover hmm. the greenhorn like could he have faceted all of those because do you know actually another name's just sprung to mind and it's made me very excited I think Boris Karloff could have Ooh. played Mr. Chips. That would really, be really, actually, really well. Actually, that's a like hmm. young Boris Scott because Mr. Chips isn't a handsome man, is he? Nope. He's not. He's supposed to be a bit of a mouse of a man, very gentle, very soft spoken, who sort of finds his own confidence and strength as he goes along. Put Karloff in this role, he he would have played timid very well. He would have played you know um, a leader when he needed to be very well, and he could. Obviously, convincingly played older men throughout his entire career. So. Sure. The only thing about Boris Karloff yeah. is Robert Donnett is very, what's the word? He's funny in a in an academic way. Yes. So, like mm. you know, what I mean. Oh, I yeah. I mean, is Boris we'll Karloff get to that later? But can, I wonder if he's if he had the the chops to be funny in that way where it came off like nobody else gets the joke except for me when I'm making jokes about. <laughs> About, about about Latin about wordplay and Latin <laughs> Latin yeah, wordplay. I get these yeah. jokes. You know, I wonder if I wonder yeah. if anybody if he would have would he have brought the quirk? Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. He gets that quirk that all that all like professors have, where it's like they think they're really funny, but their students, eh, maybe not. Like <laughs> I think Robert Donnett kind of had that. He he did. I mm. mean, uh, to to your point though, Adam. Like I kind of would have liked to have seen Karloff try though. You mm. know. That that would have been really yeah. interesting, different sort of spin on on Mr. Chips for sure. Yeah, I hadn't even yeah. considered him as you know somebody who could step into the. What about the Jimmy role. Stewart? <laughs> not British enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. <laughs> no, he's not. He's not timid enough. He's he's too brave a performer, I think, James. Stewart. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, I could think of a couple of names that could have played Mr. Chips. Yeah. And so I, I think I, that unfortunately means I, do, I can't give him a finger. He's not, he's not irreplaceable. Finger down. He's not irreplaceable I agree. I, now. I loved everything that he was doing, but yeah, I, yeah I, I, this is another thing like with Lawrence I'm saying the, I justify it with the same sort of thing with uh, Lawrence Olivier. I have now as a modern viewer seen multiple people play this particular role. I like Richard that, Dreyfuss as <laughs> or adaptations <laughs> of this particular yeah. role that, yeah, yeah. It's, it's absolutely like up for interpretation, not, something that is specifically Donitz, you know? Mm, yeah. Mm, yeah. I mean, we, we, we had a recent TV adaptation actually with an actor called Martin Clunes, who was a sitcom actor. And he basically stepped out of his comfort zone and did this drama version of Mr. Chips for Christmas on TV. And he was like remarkable in it. So I don't think it, yeah. Like you say, Peter O'Toole is, is fantastic. So yeah, I don't think it's Donitz. Um, role i think it, it it more fits a type than a person mm. cool is it an example of donnett's best work i don't know the majority of donnett's mm. best work so i will follow your lead adam <laughs> well I, I i think this is his best performance definitely i mean have you seen the 39 steps the hitchcock from yes back in 35 yeah so like i mean that's his other iconic role i would say counter monte cristo he played really well I've seen yeah, Count of Monte Cristo. It's like the original mm -hmm. one, though. Yeah, so I didn't know it was him until I. I didn't know it was him until I was like researching this. Mm. But he he was a very very ill man. Like he only made one sort of film a year if he could because he had terrible uh, chest problems, like bronchial oh. problems that killed him in the end. Killed him quite young. So those cops like were real in the end of that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I think his last film was In of the Sixth Happiness with. Ingrid Bergman and his one of his lines in the film is we shall not meet each other again I think or something and it's basically his last line on film and it's kind of like poignant because of that wow. he he was definitely a very very talented actor it took him a very long time to get to film because he kept turning down offers and then taking offers and really sucking bad and then all of a sudden he found his groove when you know he got he hit uh, Count of Monte Cristo and 39 steps and then you know the roles got better and culminating in this with his Oscar I think this is his best performance. Yeah, definitely. It seems to fit him perfectly well. It's like lightning really did strike the right guy. You know, he's 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 not a very possessing character. Is he? he's he's like a smallish man, um, and that suits the character I think because he comes to the school. He doesn't know how to win the boys over, and it takes him all this time. Takes the love of a woman, and but also brings him out, and then he becomes like this father figure, and uh, yeah. I love this film. I'm welling up now. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, yeah, that line I, where I, I like, you, say. You, you mentioned that I don't have any children, but that's wrong. I've had thousands of children, all yeah. boys. And all you're just like, oh, boys. damn it. God damn you. I did oh, it again, son don't of I? a bitch. <laughs> like, yeah. Just, yeah. No, I, I, if you haven't seen much, Robert Donner, he's very good in everything, but he's like peerless in this. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, the ending of the film is very... Um, it's very awesome where they have the kids walking through, oh yeah, uh, walking through, and then they, just that one kid name. stops yeah. at the end. And that's yeah. that's goodbye, Mister Chip. Yeah, yeah. I, um, that kid's a little I remember, <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing that um, that ending of the film, like the last ten minutes of the film, when I was very very young, like six or seven. And I remember just walking past a TV screen and 
and it was on and I watched that bit and I remember being really affected by it, really upset by it. I hadn't even seen the film, didn't even know what it was about. And I said to my mum all the time, what was that? And she said, it's goodbye, Miss Chips. You won't really appreciate it until you're older. And <laughs> she was exactly right. Yeah. I think James Hilton stuff is very, very clever. It sort of creeps up on you. Like, have you seen Random Harvest? No, I'm not familiar with that. Oh, God. I mean, God, you want to put yourself through like every range of emotion, watch Random Harvest. But More to add to uh, Yeah. Of oh, you'll love it. I you'll know. love it. It's, it's <laughs> fabulous. It's so, so good. Um, yeah, James Hilton. James Hilton's writing is it's what sort of hits you. I think it's like we're talking to the Library of Congress. I know over it's here. like <laughs> it's a bit of an out of body experience. Please cut this, but like seriously, it's a uh, yeah, like <laughs> like with everybody else we talk to, we're like the ones who know all the films. And then you're talking to us, and we're like, shit. We I'm, don't in know a, I'm in a I'm in a class right now, <laughs> and I'm taking notes. Like it's. <laughs> right, so example of his best work i think yes for everybody yeah yes <laughs> yeah i mean i'm going kind of off weight you guys are staying in here but yeah I'd say, oh, i said nothing it was all adam <laughs> i've only said i've only seen like i, I love the count of monte cristo story i've seen uh mm. three of three versions of it and one of them is his yeah so i do know one other of his work but i would say definitely this one's better was the actor believable in this role with the exception of the uh wig and mustache i will say yes you know what? I found it yep. way more convincing than Lawrence Olivier's old man makeup in the beginning of. Uh, we're not talking about Lawrence Olivier. I know. We're, we're, I'm just saying. About, we're talking about Mr. Chips <laughs> and Mr. Chips. I could definitely see his yeah. his uh, a mustache moved a little more than and, it should. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it drew me out of the movie a little bit when I was like, "Whoa, yeah. that's that's that's." Uh, but I did believe him as an old man, a young man, a middle aged man. Yeah, I did like, too. I did too. You know. yeah, yeah, yeah. You can put yeah. me down. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I get what you mean. It's like a broom, isn't it? <laughs> and and you, you were absolutely right too, Jeff, when, when you were talking about like, he has that like, that academic humor that is above the, the level of most of the people in the room. Like he nailed the mm. air of that as well. Yeah, yeah. It makes you yeah. feel like a, like a, a awkward teacher is when they make weird puns and weird jokes. And yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Mm. Well, while they're holding court, trying to just be, yeah, Keep your attention <laughs> in a Latin class, <laughs> you know. And were you invested in the character? Mm -hmm. Oh yes, oh, yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, like to, to the end degree. Yeah, well, we just talked about all the tears we shed for him. <laughs> <laughs> I will be honest; I was not as invested in this movie as the, the other ones. Yeah. That was the other ones. I this this one did not get me mm. as much as the other ones. I I just didn't feel as much for this movie as the other ones, but, mm -hmm. but what about his character in particular? Yeah. I'm sort of saying first character, uh, eh. but you know, so zero, that's fine. Yeah. I, I wouldn't give him a finger for this. I wasn't okay. as invested in his character. Okay. I will say that you towards know. the end, it got better towards the mm -hmm. end. Like when you start feeling there's certain things in his life, when he's start talking about people who died at the war, mm -hmm. like oh, those kind that's of things. Heartbreaking too. So that's, you mm -hmm. start being more invested in the character, but as, it, as the movie progressed, it got better for me. So mm. that, that's, that's that was bad. just my opinion of the movie. Um, yep. mm. All right. So for Robert Donnett, he gets three and two thirds fingers. Hey, our first two thirds Ooh. finger. Look at that. <laughs> Milestones throughout this entire episode. All right. So to recap the final scores going from worst to best with two fingers, Mickey Rooney as Mickey Moran. Oh, damn. <laughs> Faves and arms. <laughs> 
Last that's place. how he ended up. That's how he ended up a janitor at. Uh, it's true. At yeah, he didn't win this Oscar. He was the worst on the list, and he became a janitor at the New York uh, Natural History Museum. Yeah, <laughs> with, with Dick Van Dyke after that terrible Cockney accent in uh, in um, Mary Poppins. Yeah, Mary Poppins. <laughs> the last place. All right, uh, coming in at fourth with two and one thirds fingers is Lawrence Olivier in Wuthering Heights. Nothing against the man. That role, that movie, kind of a uh, third place uh, with three and two thirds finger. The man that we just gushed over, Robert Donnett, coming in at third. Came in at third, huh? Yeah, he came in third. Came in. Mm. Yeah. It's so it's changed some things up. Neck and neck between Jimmy Stewart and Clark Gable. Jimmy Stewart, unfortunately, falls the same fate this time, coming in second. With four fingers, which means that Clark Gable, oh, in hey. his role of uh, Rhett Butler, not Brett Butler, that's a comedian from the 80s, Rhett Butler. And a female. And <laughs> she's a lady, yes. Uh, Rhett Butler <laughs> in Gone with the Wind is the rightful owner. He is vindicated, should have had the gold trophy with him with all of his other friends from that production at that table at that Oscars. Um, go change all the Wikipedia pages. Uh, you know whoever is the still official, holding on to the official academy website yeah all of the internet do your thing uh <laughs> go find wherever robert donnett left his oscar with whatever family member he 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 gave it to and uh and just snatch it from them and, and just say it's official don't it. worry unless he was buried with it or something well, then, yeah just, just make a new make a new one and give it to clark gable's estate <laughs> As I know he, he's got enough but whatever yeah i mean add it to his collection but he was the rightful heir to uh oscar heir? Heir? Heir to Oscar? I don't know. Heir, does that, was, does that no, make sense? Probably not. No. He's the rightful owner of the Oscar that year. That makes more sense. Fair yeah, enough. Yeah. Fair enough. You can't fault. It's a good, it's a, it's a very iconic, very, very, very good performance. And um, yeah, as we said, don't think anyone else could have done it. So I think that's fair. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it's reached throughout, uh, you know, the 80 plus years uh, in pop culture is uh, undeniable. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Well, awesome. We, we made history tonight. Like we, where we changed history tonight is uh, as yeah, as always magical. It was wonderful having you on, Adam. Thank you. I'm so sad oh. it has to end. Thank you very much. <laughs> we really been appreciate. Amazing it. to be here. No, no. Thank you so much for having me. So and we hope you had fun. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly did. <laughs> we would like you to be able to put out any um, any social media or anything mm. else if you want to tell plug plug whatever you'd plug like plug whatever you'd like right now. Yeah, sure. Um, you su- subscribe to The Secret History of Hollywood anywhere. Um, at Boy Clarence anywhere. I'm on a new show called The House of Hammer, which is going through all the Hammer movies at the moment. That's good fun. I'm on another one called All the Best Lines um, that I co-host with my friend. And um, yeah, Carrie Part 2 is coming out soon. And if you want access to the 11 other series, then it's patreon.com slash secret. But yeah, I'm basically on everywhere i'm not very active on social media i must be honest i'm too busy <laughs> but uh it's nice to talk to you all so yeah do drop a line over <laughs> yes most importantly go uh go become a, a patreon member because you get all the added exclusives uh the previews the um extra you know stuff that you put on patreon and the catalog that is you know uh no longer fully available to the regular podcast crowd, yeah? Yeah, it's, it's actually coming back soon. It belonged to uh, Audible uh, until, well, they've, they've got them for about another three weeks. And then um, and then I'm going to slowly slowly bring them back. 
but um, I can't do it at the moment because otherwise it'll be Carrie Part One, Universe of Horrors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to wait. <laughs> it's going to be a while. Um, but thank you very much. It's been really lovely to meet you guys and um, a really interesting conversation. And thank you so much for having me on. Oh, again, uh, bucket list. Uh, you know, when we started this podcast, uh, you know, we we had a, a short list of like, well if we ever do guests, like we need to get, you know, like we try to get these types of people and uh, you were definitely on that short list. Uh, we've admired the secret history of Hollywood for quite some time. Um, you know, you, you, you've inspired us. And now with your film uh, deal and, and everything, like it's a film podcast dream <laughs> that you're living. <laughs> and uh, we look forward Thank to you. seeing, um, you know, how, how it all continues to play out and really look forward to, uh, when the Val Luton movie gets to be made. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'll um I'll give you a shout out from the red carpet. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, that would be. Oh, and, we would and if the like movie Jimmy ever wins Stewart an Oscar, and... <laughs> if the movie ever wins an Oscar, I don't want you guys arguing about who else no, should have gotten it. We won't of. switch. We won't switch that um, that envelope. No. We'd be like, no. Thank yeah. you. I'd appreciate that. Nope. 2024's Oscars, where Adam Roach gets, uh, you know, best writing or original screenplay, or I guess you would be adapted screenplay because it was uh, from. Uh, just let him do his thing, man. I, was, I got hung up on Oscar rules. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, we wouldn't switch that Oscar. We'll let you go, man. But thanks a lot. No worries. Thank you for having me. See you later. Thank see you, you later. so much. We'll see you on Twitter. Bye. Bye. Yeah. See you later. Bye. If you'd like to listen to more episodes of Switch the Envelope, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. You can also go to switchtheenvelope.com for all your Switch the Envelope needs. Each episode of Switch the Envelope is written by Jeff and Corey. All episodes are mixed and produced by Jeff over at Studio 85. Switch the Envelope is a Riff Laugh Media production. <laughs>